Thanks to the tools and technologies at our disposal today, it has never been a better time to start your own business or your own side projects. Today, we're going to talk all about side projects, how you can do them effectively, and what makes one truly profitable. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So in a previous episode, I was able to introduce to you Casey Proctor of CaseyProctor.com and he is, of course, the new co-host for the program. Really excited to have you on here, Casey. Thanks, Thomas. I'm excited to be here. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so we've got a really interesting story that we're going to be talking about today. And the main topic that we're going to be discussing is whether or not side projects are possible. If there's something that you can do, whether you have a side job or whether you have a full-time job and you want to be able to do some sort of brand on the side or website that you want to run or blog or something like that, we're going to talk about Casey's story and some things that you can learn from it, regardless of your current state Uh, in the type of brand that you're trying to build. But first, what I wanted to tell you about is a brand new course that we have available over at Rightly & Company. So for the longest time, I've been wanting to create a course that introduces you to the fundamentals of brand building. Unfortunately, the way that it goes today is unless you are a multi-million or multi-billion dollar brand, the whole concept of brand building kind of seems to be obscure. A lot of times what people tend to think of when they hear the word brand is a name. We talked about this a little bit in our previous episode. Uh, Or a color palette or a URL or a website. What it turns out, however, is that none of these things are your brand itself. They make up the visual or outward aspects of your brand. So what I've wanted to do, as I mentioned, is create an introductory course into the fundamental pillars of what it means to build a brand. I think that anyone who is trying to run a website, who's trying to run a business, whether it's just yourself or a small team or even a larger team, having a brand that is fundamentally established first or even uh, after the fact, if you've had a business can make or break how successful that business is, not only for you, but in the eyes of your customers. So originally my plan was to uh, was to actually have this course available. Uh, we're going to go through a launch process, and my plan was to charge uh, near $1,000 for this course. And the reason is because it's an in-depth five-part video series along with a pretty extensive and exhaustive workbook that walks you through step-by-step the fundamental pillars of brand building. I've worked with brands like, you know, Michael Hyatt and Platform University, Ray Edwards, Jeff Goins, Grant Baldwin, and a lot of other clients who pay me a pretty decent amount of money to make sure that we go through uh, some semblance of this brand building process. So, however, as a listener to The Rightly Show, I actually am going to offer this course to you 100% free. So again, this was a a course that I was going to charge for. However, I want to give it, give it to you for free because I want it to make it, make it accessible for you, regardless of where you are in your brand building journey. Even if you haven't started yet, I want to make sure that you have the fundamental pieces that you need in order to start off on the right foot 
and building a brand successfully. And I figured the only way I can do that is by making it free. So if you would like to sign up and enroll in this course while it's available, you can go to rightly.training or you can go to rightly.co slash training, rightly.training to get that course absolutely free. Become a Rightly subscriber and never miss a thing. Go to rightly.show slash subscribe to get the latest tools, resources, videos, and more. Best of all, it's free. Rightly.show slash subscribe. Okay, so today's main topic is all about are profitable side projects possible? I think there's a lot of folks out there today that are doing some sort of side hustle or they've got a hobby that they want to turn into a career or there's something else that they do even that they're good at outside of what people would refer to as their quote-unquote day job. So today we're going to be talking with co-host Casey Proctor about his story, how he got started in the line of work that he's currently in and some fundamental takeaways that you can learn from it. So why don't we start out, Casey? Why don't you just give us an idea, uh, just a real brief idea of what you do now and how you got there? <laughs> that is a very leading question. Right. <laughs> I am a, profe- I'm a, I'm a professional superhero sidekick. And so if you think about, you know, Batman, he's got Robin and Alfred who take care of everything behind the scenes. And so I am someone who sits behind a digital brand, whether that's a company or a person, and helps take care of all of the marketing technology, how it integrates together, running projects, running launches. And so my skill set, you know, is uh, ever expanding because I'm uh, a, a polymath, a lifelong learner. And so it spans from email marketing funnels, webinars, uh, copywriting, social media consulting, um, Facebook chatbot development, um, project management, um, book launches, all that kind of stuff. And I sit behind the scenes and make sure all of the different technology and tools talk together to deliver um, the experience that the brand or the the entrepreneur wants their audience to experience. So I'm kind of a I'm kind of a ninja behind the scenes in some ways. Got it. Yeah. No, it's it's so cool. And a lot of the work that you do is stuff that I'm interested in is and I just can't do well because I've always like I'm a designer and a developer. And so it's just one of those things where that's where I've had to put a lot of my focus. And I think a lot of that is needed in today's realm. And I think one of the beauties in kind of the quote unquote gig economy is that you can start doing you can start running a business. I can't say you are not good at all the things you just mentioned, Casey. If I am an artist or if I'm a consultant or if I'm a real estate agent or whatever work I do, I don't necessarily have to hire an employee. I can work with someone like you as a client or as a customer in order to get that done. I think that's one of the amazing things, one of the amazing opportunities that so many people have available to them and don't and may not know uh, that that is available to them. So for those people out there right now who are, you know, working a desk job and maybe want to go down this line of work, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, kind of whatever you want to share in terms of the story of, in terms of how you got to becoming independent? Sure, absolutely. Um, Before I dig into the specifics of that, one thing I want to uh, kind of provide as a disclaimer for folks um, is that... uh, 
Sean McCabe mentions this in his book Overlap um, and in some of his other content. We can include a link to that in the show notes. Um, But what he talks about is when you're looking at a side project, when you're looking to begin something on the side, you either want it to be in a different industry or genre from your day job or a different function. And so, uh, you know, an example of, you know, fr- a, that I'll get into from my story is, you know, I worked in uh, one of my jobs was in data management. So I was inside of very, you know, intricate tools and looking at lots of spreadsheets. And I took that skill set of data and applied it to, you know, working with a client on their Google Analytics and their topic and audience was you know, aspiring writers and authors. And so I was taking a similar skill set, but I was applying it in a different industry because uh, the reason why that's important to have that, I guess, uh, diversity is that if if your side project is too closely related to your day job, it will feel too much like work and you'll lose motivation and momentum uh, much sooner. It's you create, you know, not uh, intangible hurdles for yourself in doing that because, um, you know, one of the reasons people want to attempt side projects, um, and especially profitable side projects is, you know, your side hustle might become your main hustle or you, you know, you want it to have some type of revenue or have some type of ROI in terms of time or money. And if it's too much like your day job, you're not going to want to keep doing it. So it can be the same skill that you're leveraging or even in the same industry, but it shouldn't be both. So like if you write, you know, if you are a, if you write email copy for your day job and you work in the healthcare industry, you could write email copy on your side hustle, but it, you should be targeting something completely like, uh, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Um, scrapbooking, you know, um, just something completely different because then you'll be able to sustain your energy in that way. Yeah. I think that's a really good point too. And I think, uh, uh, part of what goes along with that is it's important to, uh, as you are building some sort of side project that it doesn't distract away from the main work that you do, because obviously if you work for an employer, they pay you, they are investing their own capital, their own time, their own effort, their own energy into you successfully delivering on, the work that they have for you to do. So excellent point to make as well in the sense that um, side projects should never distract away or become a conflict of interest either. It shouldn't like you shouldn't be competing with or taking away, especially clients or customers or skill sets away from the company that you work with. A lot of what we're talking about today is uh, for folks who maybe want to change a career. Right. So but I think what Mm -hmm. you're making is a really good distinction. So maybe your core, like you mentioned, like your core work is a copywriter. And yeah, like you said, you do it in like the healthcare professional field. You could take that same skill set and apply it to a completely uh, different field that is in no way in conflict or competition with the one that you're working in now. So uh, all that to say, just to underscore what you're saying, it's a good point and on a, a number of different levels for sure. Uh, completely agree. And thank you for highlighting that point of conflict of interest because the there's there's a lot of 
uh, I'll call it rhetoric out there about, you know, just quit your day job and pursue your passion and throw caution to the wind. And like, if you have, if you have that luxury, if you have, uh, if you have a savings account, if you have, you know, the, uh, a, a lack of relational, you know, responsibilities, um, and you have the freedom to do that, you know, that's your own decision. I'm a father of four. So, and you know, and I'm happily married and I would like to stay that way. And if I were to have just, you know, quit my job and jumped into a side project that wasn't, uh, that wasn't making money right out of the gate, that wasn't vetted in terms of, you know, is this something people will actually pay for? Um, then, you know, I probably would not be happily married and have four children. Um, and so I think it's really important to, you know, um, as you're considering what your side project is, start small. Um, you know, a minimum viable project is a good way to look at it. It's like, what's a small project or a small, um, task or gig that you could try out to see, you know, there's a whole bunch of different factors to consider. Like, do you enjoy it? Like if you're, if you're already, if you already don't enjoy your day job, you don't want a side project that you feel like is a chore that you don't enjoy. Um, you know, it's, that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard work. And cause I definitely think there's value in, in that, but, um, you know, enjoy it. Will people pay for it? Um, are two like kind of really high markers on that priority in terms of, you know, considering what your side project is. Yep. Yep. Definitely. For sure. So then Casey, you would like, to, would you like to give us a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about your story in terms of kind of the process that you went through and some of the things, cause some of the hurdles that you overcame kind of leading up to your side project becoming full-time. Sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so it, it all kind of started when I got my MBA while working full time at Starbucks headquarters. So I used to work at Starbucks Coffee Company at their headquarters in Seattle, uh, and I spent eight years there. And after finishing my MBA uh, through Arizona State University, um, nothing changed. And so I had bought into um, this, you know. Uh, dying myth that getting an advanced degree was just your ticket to a new path. I had gotten into a really great company, uh, worked for a great boss, you know, had a, had a good, decent job, had, you know, a level of security or so I thought. And, you know, I, I believed this idea that a MBA, a master's in business would be, you know, this next step that would set me on a path where, you know, I'd spend 20 years at Starbucks and retire and live happily ever after. Um, and after I got that MBA, nothing changed. I kind of, uh, um, and I, I felt very discouraged and disenfranchised. And so I started, um, the 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 reason why the MBA was a catalyst is because it really kicked off a renewed um, passion for learning new things. So I started buying business books and marketing books and reading blogs and listening to podcasts and consuming a whole bunch more information that was loosely overlapped with the topics that I had been studying during my graduate program. Um, and as I followed these uh, different uh brands and personalities on social media and subscribe to their blogs, I started interacting more and more with their platforms and sharing that, you know, resharing their content on my own social media and, um, writing some of my own and having that, uh, be content that I curated and a conversation that I participated in online. And, um, 
I had the opportunity, you know, so I'm plugging away at my day job. I'm discouraged with having received this, not, not having received, having worked, you know, two years um, while being married with two kids and having a full-time job, completing a advanced degree and having nothing happen. So I was really frustrated. And um, as I started participating in these conversations and curating and creating my own content, um, I uh, developed relationships with some of these entrepreneurs with some of these people who, who had these platforms and they, um, by having those conversations and being kind of on the radar, being top of mind when, when organizations, when brands, when businesses, when entrepreneurs reach a level where they, they can't do it all themselves anymore. They, they need help. They need to hire somebody or they need a contractor. And so a, um, uh, entrepreneur Jeff Goins, uh, who is still a client of mine, he reached out and is like, he, I think he either texted me or he DM'd me on Twitter, and he was like, "Hey man, uh, can I call you?" And at the time, like I had been reading Jeff's blog from when he first started at GoinsWriter.com, and so he reached out to me, uh, and we got on the phone. He's like, "Hey, I, I need some help. I need someone to help with my social media and managing the content on my blog, and you know." How does that sound to you? What's your skill set in that area? And so I had already started my own blog on WordPress, so I knew how all that worked. I've been studying, you know, content marketing and copywriting, so I knew how certain things should be structured with, you know, headlines and subheads and media and all that stuff. And so I started working with him on the side while I had my day job. And um, one of the one of the um, Important things about your career and your side projects is relationships. John Acuff, in his book, Do Over, he talks about these four elements of what he calls a career savings account. And I'm going to try and recall them by memory. So um, sorry, John, if I don't get this right <laughs> the first time out. But it's uh, relationships, hustle, character, and skills. I think that's the four. And so I have been working on developing skills. I have been working on maintaining relationships. I was not a stranger to working hard. Um, and so hustle, <laughs> hustle, skills, relationships, and now I'm, <laughs> I can't recall the fourth one now. Um, but anyway, so that relationship part I've really been working on. And so I hit this bump, I hit this ceiling, um, of, you know, getting disenfranchised and, uh, discouraged in my day job and this side project of, you know, having, you know, I was ready for an opportunity. Um, and that's, I think so much of it, you know, we, you know, in our day jobs, uh, we can hit that ceiling. We can hit that you know, a closed door, a closed window, we're seeking an opportunity and it's just not there. And if we're not cultivating our skill set, our relationships in other areas, when, when luck comes to call, you know, when luck, not when opportunity knocks on your door, if you're not ready to answer it, then it's going to, it's going to pass you by. And so I feel like having a attitude of continued personal development and creativity. Last week we talked about how, you know, if you consume all of this education, all this information, and you have all these great ideas, but you don't couple that with execution, if you don't take that information and turn it into application, then, you know, you just become a library. You just become this database of info and you don't have anything to show for it. 
Um, and so even if you are starting to explore side projects where you are creating content, you're participating in conversations, you uh, develop and build relationships with people online, they might not, those individuals might not need your help, but they might know somebody who does. So much of my work that I do now is, has been, you know, randomly searched, you know, digital project management and happened upon your website, you know, intake form. And, you know, I have no idea who you are, but I need help. Um, in fact, in fact, that has never happened. <laughs> All of my work has been um, referral based. And so relationships are key. And then also like delivering on that. Yep, totally, totally. Which such a fascinating kind of story as well in terms of kind of how it progressed for you. So what was some of the interesting things as well, I think a lot of people struggle with is like maybe we've gotten to this point where we, we work a day job. And like you said, you've, you've got your first client, right? So you got your first person on, uh, you know, who you're starting to, to take on, on the side. Um, so how do you know, like, what's that point in time for you, uh, when you know, or what are some things that somebody can look for in terms of, okay, I'm starting this, this project on the side. I've got these number of clients. I've got these customers. It seems to be going pretty well. How do you know when it's time to, I guess, step off the dock, so to speak, to know that you're ready to leave what most would consider a pretty um, comfortable day job for something that is completely self-sustaining? Sure. And that's a diff that um, it depends is what I would say. And the first thing I would tell people is, you know, your your side project doesn't have to become your side hustle doesn't have to become your main hustle there's plenty of people who really enjoy their day jobs and profitable side projects are how they fund vacations how they put money away for their retirement how they just express themselves creatively um, you know someone might be a uh, you know graphic designer or an architect you know in their day job and on the side they like to paint and they may you know they might sell their paintings um, and so that's a side project but they want it to to stay that way. And there's absolutely like nothing wrong with that. When it comes to determining when to make the jump to make your side hustle, your side project, your uh, your main gig, um, is it's really a numbers game. And so uh, I'm I'm a fan of uh, Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. And so like if you are, you know, if you're at a place where um, you know, having three to six months of expenses saved up because you've been side hustling for a while and you've got that little bit of cushion. I think that is really important. Um, because as, as motivating, as motivating as hunger is to, to hustle and do good work, um, and to work hard, um, it can actually, uh, have the opposite effect because if you are acting from a place of desperation and scarcity, you're not going to make the best. Typically, you're not going to be make the be making the best decisions. Um, and then, in terms of you know just income, like when your when your side projects start equaling or getting really close to equaling your day job, and you have to start saying no to side projects that would help you make. You know, that would help you replace your day job or make even more than your day job. I think that is really the critical point where you have to decide, okay, you know, is this is this work I enjoy? 
and that is fulfilling and that I am good at and that has a likelihood of, you know, continuing um, based on, you know, industry factors and, um, you know, your your client load. Like if you're having to to continually say no to people because you don't have any more, you know, time or bandwidth um, and your your day job is getting in the way of your side hustle, um, then I think that's a, you know, a critical point where you you need to make that decision. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, to- I totally agree. And I think there's a there's this point as well where people people get to this point where, you know, I I have this interest, I enjoy this kind of as a hobby or something and I would like to begin the process of exploring this. So, the question that comes up from time to time and I've heard this many times before even from just friends or, or whoever else who's kind of interested in this concept is where do I start? Uh, so, the best thing to do Uh, I think to underscore something that you mentioned previously would be to begin uh, building relationships with people who are in the industry or in the niche that you want to be in. Uh, So to get very involved in that. So for me, very early on, there was a number of conferences I went to. There's a number of online forums I joined. There was online platforms. So I actually, very early on when I became independent, I joined a place called Platform University. And I, through Platform University, I, I met a good friend of mine, John Meese, who's a good friend of Michael Hyatt, and the rest is history. So that became a relationship that turned into a whole long line of clients just from that one relationship. So very similar to what you're talking about earlier uh, with your client, Jeff Goins. Just building those initial relationships with people in the industry that you want to serve can in and of itself lead down a road Uh, That could lead to something that could become full time or even just like you mentioned, something that you do on the side. Like there isn't I think that's there's kind of this glorification in our current society in the whole idea of entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship. But it's it's one of those things where it's all it's all dependent upon what's possible and upon, you know, what you want to do. Right. If you like your full time job uh, and it's a good you know, means of income, then doing something on the side while maintaining that is not a bad option. It's all a matter of, of what makes sense, what's realistic for you as an individual. Um, so one of the things that, uh, again, I kind of underscored this a little bit earlier is getting started. So in your mind, Casey, what are some things that people can do? So let's, let's use an example that we can use, uh, so people can kind of relate it to their own practice. Let's say I enjoy, I like painting or something that's a little bit more, I guess, uh, monetizable, if that's even a word, but let's say I'm enjoy, I enjoy photography and I want to, you know, I go out on the weekends and I take photos and this and that. What are some things I can do to start to pursue that as a side business as I do my nine to five job? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to give you an example from my own and then I'll flip it to that photography example. So you, so that people are able to see the parallels. And so one of the first things that I offered was a social media platform audit. Um, I had worked with Jeff Goins and I had worked with uh, a local uh, mega church here in the Northwest as their um, very first social media marketing director. And so, you know, and I have been like doing the, not only the experience, but also the education of I like I went through courses I read blogs listened to podcasts all that stuff so I not only had the education and that knowledge there but I also had the executed the executional experience and so um, what I would do is I would um, 
and I was specifically targeting churches at the time. Um, and so I would go to, you know, uh, I started locally and I would look at, you know, the starting just with like their Facebook page. So I would go to the Facebook page of a local church and I would, you know, kind of go through my own assessment of, okay, what are five, what are five key things that this Facebook page should have and are, you know, does the church have them? And then if they didn't, I would like shoot a little screencast video. Um, one of my favorite tools to do that with is use Loom. Um, we'll put that link in the show notes. It's a, you can get a free, it's, it's free or you can have a paid tier, but it's really great for screen capture. It's really simple and easy. And I would just shoot a little, you know, a little video saying, Hey, you know, ABC church. Uh, my name is Casey. Here's my experience. Um, you know, I went and checked out your Facebook page and here's some things that I would, you know, recommend you fix so that you can better reach and engage with your target audience, with your congregation, with new people coming, you know, to your church. And I would just give that to them and say, Hey, here you go. Here's the stuff. And then the, um, the follow-up is really the, is the second key factor. So the first thing is you're just giving them free value. It's like, Hey, happened upon your, your page. Here's some things that I, you know, would recommend, you'd you know recommend for you and then the follow up would be like adding on that second layer of value and how you meet that value you know so then you know, following up and saying you know uh here's some other things i noticed here's like some key uh strategy things you should use some best practices in terms of your formatting and frequency and you know some other things um if you're interested i do this you know uh i do this type of work uh if you do it yourself you know, it's going to, it could cost you this much time or effort if you pay me to, or you can pay me to do it and it's going to cost you this much less. And so what you're doing is you're, you're giving, you're helping them identify a problem, which they may not be aware of. Um, you are giving them a resolution to solve that problem, which is introducing a concept of reciprocity. Like, Hey, this guy, Casey, you know, just solved this problem for us that we didn't even know we had. And now it's, you know, more awesome. And then you're following that up with, hey, here's some more areas to some more opportunities to improve, you know, your the performance of your Facebook page even more. And here's what it would cost yourself, or you can just pay me, or you know, <laughs> the copywriting on it is a little more than, or you can just pay me to do it. But that's like what you're you're communicating. So. You've identified a problem, you give them free value in terms of solution, you identify areas of opportunity and also the solution to that. And so I would do that and, um, you know, get, get some new clients that way. And so it's doing something like that is relatively quick to do. Like you could do five in a day in an hour, um, with that approach in terms of the photography, like what you're looking for is like as a photographer you want to build your portfolio especially with social media we live in an age of you know sharing and you know quality images and things like that and so as a photographer if i was starting out i would reach out to close family and friends and find out okay who needs a family portrait done that's especially attractive around the holidays um people have easter coming up so they might want you know a family easter photo and so i would reach out to five or ten family and friends and offer them a free photo shoot with the like the way that they pay you is you get to use those photos as your portfolio on your site but then also they get to share the photos 
and tag you in them. So either like tag your photography Facebook page or tag you personally so that like when I, if you know, Thomas, if, if you take amazing photos, by the way, so if I were to, you know, Thank if you, you were to reach out to me, <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying that cause I'm your co-host. Um, if you were to reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, I want to start a photography business. Can I do a free Easter photo shoot with you? I'd say, absolutely. And so you would take our photo, you'd give me, you know, give me some photos to share. I would share them and say, Hey, you know, uh, celebrating a great weekend with the family. Our little girls look adorable. Uh, thanks so much, you know, Thomas photography for the great shoot. And then, you know, all of my friends and family who very likely are local are, you know, a good percentage of them are local to me would see those and be like, Hey, how do I, you know, I want to do an Easter photo shoot or a summer shoot or my son's graduating from high school. How do I get in touch you know, with Thomas? How do I, how do I get him to do mine? Because I want, you know, amazing photos of my family that look like that. Um, so that's how I would get started with something in photography is build that, you know, get an initial portfolio from family and friends and then have a method, have a intake method, um, through a Facebook page or through a website for, um, new contacts through a referrals because that relationship is, is really critical. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there with that. I think so, something that, uh, kind of fits along with that, which is really sim- similar in terms of getting started. Like for example, uh, Brian Harris talks a lot about, you know, building an email list and, and that's key to any business or brand. And one of the things he said for those who are get start for those who are getting started is you know there's a lot of people's like I, I don't have an email list so how do I build this business especially if it's going to be based on an email list he said well do you know anyone literally send people like find ten people find twenty people and send them a text and say hey can I sign you up for my email newsletter or my ebook or something like that this is the type of stuff I'm going to be creating and sharing. I think that's fundamental and key. The, the best way to get started is just to get started. You don't necessarily need a huge platform or audience in order to start this process. It can start with one client. It can start with one customer. One of the things I actually did want to highlight, which you touched on a little bit earlier, which is really key to those who are getting started, is the importance of adding value to the equation. Because I think that one of the pitfalls would be like, let's say we we're going to use the photography, uh, you know, format as our example moving forward to just, you know, maybe it is true that you are a really good photographer and maybe it is true. Maybe you find some, f- some family and some friends that you can do portraits of and you can use that as an example of your portfolio. But let's say that's not quite, and you know, even they're beautiful, but there isn't uh, you know, you're not necessarily distinguished enough from the other photographers out there to start getting a lot of gigs. So some things that you can do are to be creative in terms of how you can start delivering value to people out there who may want your services. So what would that look like? That could look like an Instagram account that could look like a YouTube channel or something that produces actual value for people who may want to hire you. So for example, let's say that you uh, let's say that you wanted to start opening up, you know, you wanted to do maybe landscape or port stick to portraits since that's something that's pretty common for wanting to monetize, um, you know, that particular business. So what you could do is you could start a YouTube channel all about, uh, you could literally do a behind the scenes of the shoot that you do with your family members or something like that. And you could, uh, you could literally 
do a workshop or something that that breaks down the key fundamentals of what makes a good portrait. Or you could even take that further and say some uh, holiday gift ideas of what you could use, uh, you know, your family portraits within. You could show, you know, T-shirts or printed materials or canvas prints or you could give ideas to people uh, in terms of what they could do with portraits. And so then that may not necessarily, it may or it may not lead to actual direct sales to you of actually gaining customers and clients to take those photos. Because if they see you teaching on the topic or giving these ideas, especially if it's something that spreads on YouTube or on social media or anywhere else, the natural conclusion of the person receiving the information would be, I want to go to the person who's providing that information. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. creative ways that we can actually incorporate what we do uh, for free into delivering value for people who we may want to serve. Nine times out mm-hmm. of 10, you know, it can be serving people for free that leads up to it. And one of the things I, I did want to touch on just really briefly as well is that I think it reached there. it's really good to reach a point in time where, and sometimes this is really hard when you're starting out, But I think it's really important to draw a distinction between the things that you give away for free and the things that cost money. Um, That doesn't mean that you can't give away the things that cost money for free. Uh, But however, if you do, it needs to be clear to the people to whom you are giving them away for free that you are giving them something that is valuable. So like, for example, I charge anywhere from five to $25,000 to build a custom WordPress website or beyond that. It depends on how complex the site is. Uh, so, but however, my podcast episodes and, you know, our podcast episodes and, you know, t- uh, rightly TV videos are free. Now, that doesn't mean that I would never give away a website design to someone. However, I would make it extremely clear. Uh, in that situation that I am giving you $7,000 worth of website and development, uh, website design and development services. So that's an important thing I think to keep in mind as well is that when you are transitioning from hobby to career in the work that you want to do, it's important to establish yourself as a professional and to always maintain the value on the work that you're doing. So do you have any thoughts Mm -hmm. on that, Casey? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, one quick idea I had for people who are aspiring photographers would be to reach out to local youth sports leagues because um, I don't know, you know, for anyone who like played baseball or basketball as a kid, like the cheesy end of season photo when you're standing in your uniform, you know, and your parent fills out the little form and stuff like they're super cheesy. I think they're kind of lame, even though I have, you know, dozens of them on my fridge of my own children. Um, but if you, you know, first reach out to the league and develop a relationship with them and like get permission. But like if you showed up, you know, uh, you you get permission and then you show up to a soccer game with your, you know, photography equipment. And let's just say like a badge that says like photographer or something, you know, something to really identify you because, you know, you don't want to be a stranger showing up to a kid's soccer field. That said, um, you know, you could deliver the free value of, you know, a, the, a few images uh, or photos from the from the soccer game to the parents um, and say, hey, like I'm, you know, I'm a sports photographer. I'm, you know, getting started. Uh, here's, you know, here's my card. If you go here, you can find your kid's game 
from today and download your kid's photo for free. And so you're you're giving them a free value, giving them a great image of their little kid playing playing soccer. Um, and then they're also, uh, you know, you be you get to be top of mind. And so let's say you do that for a couple weekends and then you could be the photographer for the league photos or that parent might say, hey, um, you know, we're doing our family photos. I'd love to come. Ha- you know, I'd love to have you do that shoot. Um, and like Thomas mentioned, in terms of like providing additional value, like you could record a video or write a blog post that gives people tips for how to photo- photograph their own kids at a sporting event. Um, to introduce them into that, um, in terms of like compensation is not binary. Like it doesn't have to be money or no money. Like it could be, I'm going to, you know, Thomas, in your case, uh, let's say you built a $7,000 website for someone, your compensation for that could be a referral, uh, you know, to, you know, three referrals to viable clients because then that $7,000 investment on your side actually leads to multiple clients where you're going to make two, three, four, maybe five times that amount. Um, while at the same time, the, the, the client that you delivered that, that $7,000 of value to, they feel good for referring you to their friends and they get the value of the website on top of it. So you're actually giving them double value. Um, one of the things that I've you know started uh, working on is developing chatbots for entrepreneurs and their webinars and uh, live events that are both like in person, like tribe conference or uh, digital summits. And uh, I built one for free for uh, this one virtual summit. And all I asked for in return was a reference that I could list, you know, on my website. So now if someone comes to my website and looks at that, they're able to see, you know, that that person's referral. And so I am borrowing their, I'm not borrowing. They paid me with their credentials, with their authority, um, for the service that I provided them. So even if you're just getting started and you're not going to charge money for something, you can still be compensated in other ways. Yeah. I think that's totally a hundred percent true. I think the, the bottom line kind of lesson that you know, people can kind of take away from this because we've shared a lot of ideas and information and there's a lot of ideas and information out there. But I think the key is just to start to get a plan uh, and to begin the process of doing the work that you want to do and doing it well. One of the things I did want to touch on real briefly, just because it goes so it is such a core part of even the brand that I've been building at Rightly and Company is that you have to do a, a style like it's it's one thing to do work like everybody likes to talk about doing the work that you love and that sort of thing. But what what it really comes down to is that if somebody is going to be paying you to do work for them at the end of the day, they don't care if you love your work or not. What they care about is that you do the work well and that it solves the problem that they're paying you to solve. So I think that's one key thing to keep in mind as well when you're starting to do uh, side projects or if you're starting your own business or even if you just want to consistently do something on the side, do work uh, for people who who are in the markets that you want to serve, but always strive to do the best possible craftsmanship of work that you can. I think we live in a society or in an age where, and and there is some truth to the to the statement that, you know, done is better than perfect. But I think too often that is something that people use as a crutch to do mediocre work. Uh, 
So if you add the added touches of doing work that shines far and above uh, other people in your industry, that alone can be something that will help that side hustle or that side project grow into something bigger, a dedicated to a dedication to craftsmanship um, when it is rare, especially in the uh, digital age. So any mm-hmm. other last thoughts that you want to add it, uh, add here today, Casey? Absolutely. Um, one thing I really want people to take away uh, is anyone who's listening and doesn't have a side project and doesn't think they need one. Um, your your day job, as awesome as the company you might work for, um, and as secure as you might feel, um, and I don't want like I don't want to introduce a feeling of fear, but um, as as a husband and father, I have a responsibility to my family, um, to contribute to providing for them and taking care of them. And, uh, because I had started working on these side projects for a couple years, um, you know, on the side that were completely disassociated from the function of my day job, um, I got laid off. Starbucks laid me off after eight years and, um, like your, you know, because, and it's like, it's not personal, it's business. Like as awesome as your company culture is like it, like it, at the end of the day, it really does come down to the bottom line and your position can be eliminated and you can be let go. Like, and you know, it's not that they are malicious in that action or that anyone, you know, is at fault, but you can just, you can get laid off. And because I had these other side projects, because I had clients that I worked for, I got laid off. And then within two weeks, I was able to rep- to completely replace my day job income from freelance gigs. Uh, and I'm still doing that two and a half years later. Um, I haven't, I haven't worn a button down in khakis in uh, two and a half years. And it's kind of awesome. Um, but like there are, there are challenges along the way, but having those Having those other projects, having that work to fall back on and then leverage those relationships. You know, I reached out to the two biggest clients I had at the time and said, hey, I have extra time now. You know, uh, would you like would you like more of my time or do you know anybody else, you know, needs this work? Um, and both of them did both things. Both of them wanted some more of my time, but then they also referred me to other people. And so, um, you know. Uh, and Jeff Goins is one of those, one of those clients, um, you know, and I've worked with other clients, you know, additional clients since then that have coming on. Um, but those relationships and having that skill set, uh, and actually practicing, you know, uh, on the side outside of my day job, what turned out to be a great insurance policy in a way. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, and something that we can definitely, definitely all learn from. And a perfect note on which to conclude this topic for today. So uh, one of the things I did want to mention as well is that if you ever have a question for the program, never hesitate to head on over to rightly.show slash question. There's actually a place where you can record and ask a question for the show. Uh, we'd be happy to address it, and if it's a good fit for the uh, for the show, we'd be happy to answer it in a full-length episode. Also, I want to remind you about the totally free course that we have available for you over at rightly.training. Be sure to head on over there and sign up. I think it's going to be really useful for the brand that you're 
trying to build. So as always, if you found this useful, head on over to iTunes or to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Always do appreciate it. Until next time, go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing. 